This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I am absolutely convinced, sincerely, that the reason God has given me the opportunity to be on the radio right now, at this point in our nation's history, is to speak out against war and to speak out against the United States escalating and getting involved in war. And I have been looking in the last two days as the response from both Democrats and Republicans has been to beat the drums for war with Iran. Uh, Lindsey Graham putting out on Twitter, and he's not the only one, but this is emblematic of where the neocons are right now. He puts out there, hit Iran, hit them hard. Congressman Thomas Massey responds, and I agree with him, is there anyone you don't want to bomb? Tell me one country, Lindsey Graham, that you're not prepared to go to war with. What we are seeing in terms of this fetish for bombing more and more countries and just staying there and keeping American troops there and American servicemen there, I view it as absolutely sick. Absolutely sick. I was pretty fed up with what was happening in Yemen, where without any sort of constitutional approval, President Biden is lopping missiles like crazy into Yemen, a clear and blatant violation of the Constitution. Out of 435 members of Congress, do you know how many agreed with me? 27. 27 out of 435. 19 House Democrats and 8 Republicans signed a letter declaring President Biden's strikes in Yemen a violation of the Constitution. These 27, and these are not necessarily 27 members that I would hold in high regard, these 27 are absolutely right. And they have demanded, and they're exactly right, that he seek authorization before proceeding further. So, because when it comes to bombing the Middle East... It would appear that the Republicans, at least the ones in Congress, except for the eight that I'm about to mention, Republicans have very little interest in reigning in Biden. We know McConnell doesn't. We know uh, John Cornyn doesn't. So I want to acknowledge these members of Congress, um, uh, as I mentioned, 19 Democrats and eight Republicans that signed this letter telling President Biden that, no, you have to come to Congress and get an authorization. I want to acknowledge all these people, and regardless of your feelings of them, they have my respect on this one. Congressman Ro Khanna, Congressman Val Hoyle, Congresswoman Premier Jayapal, Congresswoman Cori Bush, uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, Congressman Andy Biggs, Congressman Thomas Massey, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, Congresswoman Anna Polina Luna, Congressman Jonathan Jackson, Congresswoman Summer Lee, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, Congressman Greg Kasar, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, Congressman James McGovern, Congress, uh, Congressman uh, Jesus Garcia, and Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. Again, these are people that have a copy of the Constitution that hasn't been run through the shredder. So let's talk about what happened with these 
this drone strike where you have three American servicemen killed. In my view, we shouldn't have these American servicemen in Syria to begin with. We shouldn't have American servicemen in Iraq to begin with. It seems like so often, whenever we try to intervene, it doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out for our benefit. I mean, if you look at the United States and our the thousands of lives that we lost in Afghanistan, the billions of dollars that were spent in Afghanistan, what do we get for it in 20 years? We lost, The United States lost in Afghanistan. The United States lost in Syria. We did not achieve, achieve the goals of that, you know, kind of, um, I mean, it wasn't a military bombing like there was in Iraq or in Afghanistan. But we did not achieve the goals that the CIA, through that covert war, sought to achieve, which was regime change and ousting Bashar al-Assad. The U.S. is losing to the Houthis in Yemen. The U.S. lost the war in Iraq. I think that's the only way to describe it. We'll talk more about that in a second. And if the United States starts a war with Iran, as uh, Joe Biden seems eager to, as Nikki Haley seems eager to, as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen seems eager to, I think that the United States could suffer the biggest military defeat we've ever seen. This is the American empire committing suicide. We cannot be at war all over the planet. And it never works out as we would like. We saw what happened in Iraq. Everybody was excited. Let's go to Iraq. Let's topple Saddam Hussein. Yeah, we toppled his statue. People are throwing the shoes at the statue. Yay, democracy. What happened when we got democracy? Everybody voted with the purple fingers. What happened when everybody got their purple fingers? Turns out they elected a government that was almost exactly... Not exactly, but uh, very, very cozy with the government in Iran. And all of a sudden, we went from a situation where the region's greatest bulwark against Iran, which was Saddam Hussein in Iraq, was gone. And Iran was now a, an even greater geopolitical superpower. Why did the mullahs come to power in, in the Iranian revolution to begin with in the late 70s. That is, again, a result of failed American intervention. Iran had a democratically elected government. We overthrew it. The United States overthrew it with Kermit Roosevelt and the CIA, and we installed a puppet regime that happened to be a brutal autocracy and a dictatorship, the Shah. We didn't mind because he did whatever we wanted. Not surprisingly... The people in Iran did not like being governed by an autocrat, and they welcomed the, well, welcome is kind of an exaggeration, but the only force that was in a position to organize and overthrow the Shah were the Islamic Revolutionary Guard that you now see in charge with the Ayatollah. And look at Libya. When does it ever work out as we expect? It never does. And yet we keep doing it. And now people like Nikki Haley are calling for us like to do the full Lindsey Graham bomb Iran. The problem that we've had is that everybody waits for it to get bad before they do something about it. Where did this all start? None of this would have started had Biden not lifted the sanctions on Iran. You allowed million, billions of dollars to go in from China importing their oil. And what did that do? That gave money to the proxies to get these missiles, to do these things, to do the training, to invade Israel. 
All of that happened because they got money. And Biden still to this second hasn't increased sanctions on Iran. That's lunacy because you're just continuing to pay them for trying to now kill our soldiers. There are things we can do that are not war. But not having common sense, there's no excuse for that. And this is something where we've seen him do it with Iran. We saw him do it with Afghanistan. We're seeing him do it with Russia and Ukraine. You have to be tough. That doesn't mean starting a war. That actually means preventing war. But when countries see that you're tough and you're serious, they back off. By nature, they back off. Iran knows they can't beat America. They've always known that. But as long as they smell blood in the water, they're going to keep doing this. Nikki Haley wants more war in the Middle East which means more dead U.S. soldiers. And she was given a board position at Boeing because she makes them billions of dollars every time she calls for war. And I would love, and I'm not being facetious here because Nikki Haley is a smart woman, but she is basically a walking, talking soundbite. I would love to see if she could name another city in Iran besides Tehran. The next person that interviews her, and she's going on and on about finish them, finish them, bomb, 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 bomb Iran. I want to see, can you ask the question? Hey, can you name another city other than Tehran? So um, I am very concerned that this is where we are headed. And I see this as the fundamental issue of our time. Joe Kent, who I think is uh, running for Congress, although, you know, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe he ran for Congress previously. His wife, he's done 11 tours of duty in the military, including in Iraq, including in Afghanistan, 11 combat tours in the in the uh, U.S. Army. His wife, Shannon was actually killed while serving in Syria. This is a man that understands war and understands the Middle East. He was actually on Tucker Carlson's show yesterday. This is what Joe Kent said. We left our troops in these vulnerable locations, like on the Jordanian, Syrian, and Iraqi border. Our troops have been attacked, we, we think, at least 150 times since the uh, October 7th uh, incident began. And so we've seen this coming. This was an inevitable conclusion. So by leaving inevitable. our troops in these locations, undefended essentially, we left them there as bait because so many people in Washington, D.C. want to go to war with Iran. He's exactly right. And that's personified by folks like Nikki Haley, folks like uh, the Democrats and Republicans alike. This is there's a uniparty when it comes to making policy in Washington. Uh, The policy of Nikki Haley is not much different from the policy of Joe Biden. Okay, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, Republican of Oklahoma, he's calling for direct strikes on Iran because uh, the only thing Iranians understand is strength. One, you go directly with action, direct action at the individuals that's attacking you. And then two, you go directly at Iranians and put the sanctions back in place and pull the money that you gave Qatar back out of the banks. Now, um, this whole language that the only thing Iranians understand is strength It's exactly the same tired, failed logic that the anti-Russia hawks always use. The only language that those meddlesome losers understand is cruise missiles. It's it's ridiculous. And yet, unfortunately, even 
Example after example. We saw what happened in Libya. We saw what happened in Syria. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. Again and again and again, we just keep trying this. And it never works. And yet, somehow, this becomes the dominant foreign policy voice in Washington. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that politicians like Dick Cheney and Liz, uh, Nikki, Ch- Nikki Haley, that they then make millions from the people that make billions with these wars. And these companies that make billions from these wars then spend millions on direct campaign contributions, lobbying, funding think tanks, and also uh, purchasing talking heads. You know, I would love to see when you're watching television and one of these generals, retired generals, goes on TV and explains to you all the reasons we need to bomb whatever a Stan, and they would say this person is paid to be on the board of Boeing. This person is paid to be on the board of Lockheed Martin. This person was just recently paid $50,000 to give a speech to uh, XYZ weapons manufacturers. But you don't. You think you're getting objective analysis. You're getting analysis that has been purchased. And all these think tanks like the American Enterprise Institute and others that are all uh, spoiling for war, they've also been on the receiving end of a whole lot of donations from these very same entities. But you could watch Fox News yesterday, you could watch MSNBC, and you would see the unity in demanding direct U.S. warfare against Iran. It's like the old days. And the statement put out by uh, the... Uh, by the Pentagon was really absurd because they put out this statement essentially quietly referring only to the territorial defeat of ISIS while insisting that the wider anti-ISIS operation in Iraq and Syria is not complete. Now, this is absurd because Iran is one of ISIS's greatest adversaries. No one talks about this, but when we were trying to fight ISIS in Iraq, do you know who was helping? The Iranians. Because if there's one entity that the uh, Sunnis in ISIS hate even more than the United States, it's the Shiites in Iran. And the official rationale for the presence of U.S. troops on the Syria-Jordan border being repeated again yesterday by John Kirby, the White House spokesman, is the anti-ISIS mission. That began 10 years ago and apparently will never end. Despite multiple declarations that ISIS has been defeated, we still need to keep troops in the Middle East forever. Oh, by the way, one of the other interesting responses from the Pentagon yesterday about how we know this Jordanian attack that killed three servicemen was responsible, was was carried out by Iranian-backed militias. Very interesting from the Pentagon spokesman yesterday. Idris. Just to follow up, you said Iran was behind the attack. So what does that mean? Have you seen evidence of financing or directing anything specific to this attack, not just generally, but specifically? Uh, so maybe I need to clarify further um, from what Lita had mentioned. We know that Iran funds these groups, like Kitab Hezbollah. We know that these IRGC-backed militias are the ones responsible for attacks on our troops in Iraq and Syria. Uh, beyond that, we're, we're doing an intelligence assessment. We don't have I – I can't give you today that – attack thinking it to Iran. We just know that Iran we just know. funds these groups like Qatar Hezbollah and other groups that have attacked our forces, but I don't have more to share on general matter, that. Saying, right? As a general matter, yes. Just trust us. We know. 
We are smack dab in the middle of 2002 and 2003 all over again. Evidence, schmevidence, just believe us. We know this is insane. We are about to go to war with a real military power that is substantially more fierce than what we went through in Iraq and we're being led to it by these war, these chicken hawks like uh, John Bolton, who uh, has never served a day in the military. There's never been a member of his family, as far as I'm concerned, that has ever been at risk of any of the wars that he's advocated for. And I was reminded, you know, speaking to Tucker Carlson, I was reminded of the back and forth that he had with Tucker Carlson when he was in the Trump White House in March of 2018. Because, you know, Trump listens to Tucker Carlson, and thank God, because even the New York Times has reported that in 2019, the neocons in the Trump administration, led by folks like Mike Pompeo and others, they were, they had Trump this close, within an hour, I think, it might have even been less, of agreeing to carry out a real attack on Iran, the kind of which these chicken hawks are now calling for Biden to carry out, in response to killing an unmanned drone, okay, and Tucker Carlson talked him out of it, essentially, that's what has been reported, but... Um, when Bolton, who obviously everything he believes in is anathema to everything Tucker Carlson believes in, Tucker's more of the America First school, John Bolton was in the Trump White House. You know Trump said, hey, you should go on Tucker. And this was the most telling discussion, and I'm not going to play you the whole thing, but if you get a chance, watch the whole thing. This was the most telling discussion ever on about the two different areas in the right when it comes to foreign policy, one represented by John Bolton, um, which I consider to be completely insane, and the other considered by and the other represented by Tucker Carlson, who represents my view here. Listen to this. This is six years ago, but this could be today because both of these guys are pretty much where they were six years ago. So you've you've called for regime change in Iraq, Libya, Iran and Syria. In the first two countries, we've had regime change. And obviously it's been. I'd say disaster. I think we no, agree. No, okay. I, I don't agree with that. And you don't let me, agree. Let me, you don't think it's been a disaster? No, because to argue that, you have to argue, let's just take Iraq to begin with, you have to argue that everything that followed from the fall of Saddam Hussein followed inevitably, solely, and unalterably from the decision to overthrow him. And that's simply not I, I would never argue that. I'm, you, I'm merely arguing the macro you have picture to. since you, well, you, you just said that Iran is the single greatest threat to us and to that region, I think you'll concede that Saddam was the greatest counterbalance to Iran, and they were right. empowered by his by his fall. So I think it's fair to say if you think Iran is the real threat that way, you know, it's kind of hard to defend that decision, I, right? No, because I think your analysis is simple-minded, frankly. Okay. The Iranian threat, which stems from the revolution of 1979, uh, was underway quite apart from what Saddam Hussein was doing. The Iranians have been trying to get nuclear weapons for 25 Wait, years. So you don't think the Saddam fall of Saddam Hussein's, made Iran stronger? I think it made uh, it, the the fall of Saddam. No, did not make Iran stronger. What made Iran stronger ultimately was the withdrawal of American forces. Uh, in 2011. So if you, I mean, I, I'm not saying you're the only person who thinks that. You're the only person I have met who thinks that. What would you say if you could sum up the one lesson from what has happened in Iraq? What would it be? Well, I think the overthrow of Saddam Hussein, that military action, was a resounding success. Uh, I think the mistakes that were made subsequently 
setting up the coalition provisional authority and others that followed from it uh, are lessons about what to do after a regime is overthrown. But I'd also point out, because of President Bush's surge policy, uh, when his administration ended, uh, stability had returned to Iraq. It was not a place you'd go for vacation. Right. Uh, but he turned it over to Barack Obama, and it fell apart subsequently. And the point I think you need to understand yeah. is that life is complicated in the Middle East. And when you say, well, the overthrow of Saddam Hussein was a mistake, well, is simplistic. I, I would argue that I'm the one who understands how complicated it is, but just my view. It's, it's your long experience in foreign policy, I know. <laughs> I, I love how mocking he has to be. It's your long experience in foreign policy. You didn't go to Yale like I did. You say, well, the overthrow of Saddam Hussein was a mistake well, is simplistic. I, I would argue that I'm the one who understands how complicated it is, but just my view. It's, it's your long experience in foreign policy, I know. <laughs> better record than yours, I would say. Yes, better record, record than yours. So you have the Pentagon admitting that it has no evidence Iran was behind the drone attack that killed three U.S. troops in Jordan. They haven't produced anything. And the one and only reason the U.S. government and the stenographers in the press that just reprint everything that the Pentagon press department says is that the word Iran was mentioned a billion times after that attack. The only reason it was mentioned was to administer propaganda to manufacture public hostility towards a government that has long been targeted for regime change by the United States government. That's what we're seeing here. The concerted effort on the part of military defense contractors, the think tanks they fund, the lobbyists they pay for, the uh, the generals that sit on their board, the media outlets that just love to parrot whatever they say, they're trying to further this narrative. I hope they're not successful. I hope you have a, an understanding of all of the mistakes that have been made when it comes to foreign policy over the last 23 years. Not just in the Middle East, but especially in the Middle East. If you think Iraq went well, you're going to love Iran. But Iraq, Libya, Syria, Afghanistan, you know, they used to say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. What happens if you're fooled five times? 800-848-9222. Uh, Jay is in Cincinnati. Hi, Jay. How's it going, Frank? Great topic. Um, it's amazing how these major depressions and recessions are all brought back by a major conflict in this country. Um, my grandfather was in soup lines, and then uh, World War II happened. He was a machinist. Brought him back. Uh, my father uh, joined before Korea. He was in the Navy. Uh, that was a big surprise for him. And then Vietnam, okay, from from my era, you know, just uh, just interesting how things work. Just like you said, it's all we just play into it. Jay, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Hey, a bunch of people are on hold that wanted to talk about the post office as well. If that's the case, I will still get to you. Um, Danny is. Uh, Danny had a comment. Danny, what do you want to say? How you doing, Frank? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. My problem. I'm a fellow South Shore guy. Wonderful. And What's let me on your tell mind? you something. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I'm a six-year combat United States Marine. God bless so you. Tell you. Thank you for thing. your service. Thank you for your support, sir. And let me, I want to ask you a question. What do you, when you were talking about the post office, what does the post office police do for a living? 
Well, they I, walk around with clocked forties. What are they called? Mailboxes? They're like the sanitation. <laughs> well, place. no. I mean, come on. Remember, they're they're the ones that arrested uh, Steve uh, Steve Bannon. I mean, if there's a mail fraud issue, they're the ones that oh, okay. th- they're the ones that uh, that investigate that. Now, I, I don't know enough about how the postal police operates, but if there's financial fraud, if there's things like identity theft, which is very big now, even narcotics. There's a lot of narcotics that are occasionally sent through the mail. Issues like cybercrime. I think they I, again. I'm I'm not an expert on this, Danny, so don't uh, misunderstand me. But I think they deal with all that stuff. Okay. That's the first question. Second question, Frank. I'm going to get back. I'm a six-year combat United States Marine. And one, what do you think is going to happen in Syria? Uh, well, I am I am terrified, honestly, Danny. And I thought... One we're we're, we're going to be. We're yeah, going to be. Yeah, you we're going to hit... I think you're wrong, Frank. We're going to hit Iran last. And you know what? That's the, the mother load. We're going to hit we're going to hit Yemen, Syria, and Jordan first. Yeah, well, and it's going to come from the United States Navy offshore. Well, and Iran, I guess the gloves are off, and I hope, I hope Trump gets in there and we don't get into that. That peeing match. Danny, thank you. I appreciate the call. You know, uh, first of all, I don't see the same hostility towards Jordan because Jordan is led by an American ally, unlike Syria and, um, you know, and Iran. But you had a situation where in Libya, you had Gaddafi who gave up his weapons of mass destruction voluntarily because he didn't want to be invaded. Well, we showed him you should never do that because what was Gaddafi warning about? He was saying, Al-Qaeda is here. Al-Qaeda is trying to overthrow me. Well, they didn't have to. We did it. We did it. The United States took out Gaddafi in Libya, and all of a sudden it's become uh, Harvard for terrorists, right? It's a failed state where you have varying militias that are in charge of this country. He was right. It was al-Qaeda. In Syria, you had Assad warning, al-Qaeda is here. And, And then a little bit later, ISIS is here. They're the ones that are trying to overthrow me. The free Syrian army, they're the same guys that you're fighting. And it turns out he was right. He was right. I just, I don't know how often we can learn from the same failed interventions, right? And, and, and still do the same thing. You know, a friend of mine, um, used to be a radio talk show host himself. He told, he asked me in 2009, I think it was, maybe it was 2008, but I think it was 2009. He said, I am no longer, this is what he said of himself. I am no longer going to dislike a country just because the United States tells me to. And I said, that's great. Okay, good. And he said, you got to promise me you're going to do the same thing. And I said, no, I'm not committing to that. I'm reserving my right to still dislike the countries that uh, the United States tells me not to. Now, however many years later, 16 years later, I am making that pledge. Because we go through this same pattern again and again. Um, oh, I got a break here. All right. Those of you that are holding, we'll get to you. Uh, we're going to go through your mail in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Phil Collins, who is celebrating his birthday today. He is 73 years old. Happy birthday, Phil Collins. Loved him in Genesis. I feel like I'm living in that Genesis song, Land of Confusion. I think that either begins or ends with um, with bombs bursting and a president confused, although I think it was Reagan. A great song, nonetheless, and an even better video, I must say. All right. Uh, it is time for you to be heard in written form. You can email me, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Letters. Oh, we get letters. We get your letters every day. Mailman, mailman, mail today. Reach right in and pull one out. Those letters. I love those letters. Let's find out what you've got to say. Eight Morano, Marianne in Newburgh writes, Hi Frank, get two carpeted cat trees. This has to do with my cat issues. If you don't have them, that was advised on my cat from hell because they like to go high when they're stressed. This is interesting. We don't have this. This is a good idea. I heard that one caller also saying that you have to watch them and don't allow the fighting. That's exactly what Jackson was teaching the owners to do. I know it's a stressful situation. Kindest regard, Marianne in Newburgh. Thank you, Marianne. That is actually good advice. I will go over that with my wife. Broderick writes, Hi, Frank. U.S. adventurism overseas and the presence of our troops in so many unwelcomed countries to promote democracy should be reduced drastically. Should be reduced drastically or their presence should be if our nation is genuinely threatened, we must cut out meddling in the Middle East and elsewhere or should expect periodic 9-11s. Unfortunately, whenever and wherever we support governments who happen to be corrupt and tyrannical, the result is persecution of the masses instead of democracy. Thanks for reading on air. Broderick. All right. Um... Jonathan writes, hey, Frank, all day and all night, all I hear all the radio hosts on your station say if Trump was in office, Putin wouldn't have moved on Ukraine. But common sense says Putin knew Trump wasn't going to supply Ukraine with weapons. So why wouldn't Putin take over the entire country knowing Trump 
wouldn't get involved. Trump wasn't going to send our military to stop it. Um, well, a couple of things here. Uh, for starters, tr- Trump did did provide lethal weapons to Ukraine. I actually think that that was a mistake on uh, Trump's part, but no, that's true. He did provide weapons to Ukraine. All right. Um, Igor writes of Carol Alt. Frank, when you asked, she says she is happy, happily single. The vital creative part, ruin it with sex. You say, aren't there any aspects about a relationship, a romantic one with a man that you miss? The men are so needy, she says. I guess at 64, she doesn't miss the sex. How about that? Igor. She sounds very down to earth, especially for a woman who looks the way she does. Next time she's on, ask her about her love of hockey. More than just her ex-husband and partner, both hockey players, and her part ownership of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, my knowledge of hockey is below zero, uh, but she's really into it. But we didn't have a chance to talk about it because we got into talking about other things. This is from Italo. Uh, Hi, Frank. I was listening to your Monday morning show with Carol Alt. You asked her about the weight loss diabetes medications. I also heard you ask other guests and doctors about the medications. I just wanted to share my firsthand experience with the medication. I'll be 58 in March, and in January of 2023, I started taking Munjaro. I was 285 pounds at five foot six and a half inches. Yes, I'm adding that half inch. I was pre-diabetic and morbidly obese. The doctor was yelling at me at my physical. I've struggled with weight my whole life. I was a sheriff's officer for 25 years, and when I went to the police academy in 1990, I came out at 200 pounds and in great shape. So my weight has been up and down since then, mostly up. At the same time of starting the medication, I started doing the keto diet. No sugar, no carbs. I am now a year maintaining a weight of 225 pounds. I feel like a new person. Tons of energy, no joint pain any longer, no inflammation, and mental sharpness are just a few benefits. I believe because I made a lifestyle change with my diet was mostly the reason of my weight loss. The medication gives you the feeling of being satiated, so you eat less. At this point, I'll continue the meds for now. Sugar and carbs are the problem. As long as you eliminate these from your diet, your health will improve. I do eat carbs and sugar on special occasions, but I go back to my diet after. You still enjoy life. I went to Sicily in June and ate every pasta dish. Arancini and pizza I could get my hands on. But when I got back, I resumed my diet. This is work for me. You can share this if you want. Hopefully it will get, it will help someone. Listen and enjoy your podcast every day. Take care, Italo. That's good. First of all, I'm glad you're doing well, Italo, and I appreciate you listening. And uh, I'm glad that that's worked for you. And, you know, if people are struggling with their weight, I think it's definitely something that people should consider. Just know all the facts. That's it. Um, And, you know, with something so new, it is a little tricky. To know what's what. Al writes, hi Frank, it's Al, originally from Woodside, Queens, then to Maryland, now happily residing in Palm Harbor, Florida. I hope you and your family are doing well. I must say how upset I am that finding any radio with the AM band is nearly impossible. So in your words, I do denounce radio makers like you. I like vintage or at least vintage looking radios, but even this thing I got cheap for only $10 at Marshall store here is only FM. And he sends me a picture. I only got it because it's Bluetooth and can listen to your station on it from the app on my cell phone. It is battery chargeable, so great for power failures. And in Florida, the storms do knock out the power, but I've been lucky so far. Now, I uh, really do... I've experienced the same thing. It's getting harder and harder to find AM radios. Not in my house. Every room has an AM radio. If you go onto um, online 
you know, you could find those AM radios pretty easily. And there's a lot of very good AM radios on there that are pretty inexpensive. All right, this is from Phil. (laughs) Phil writes, started taking topical medication. Only side effect is constantly wanting to discuss current events. Now that is, that's good. That is very good. All right. Uh, Jeffrey writes, um, and this is actually the film critic, Jeffrey Lyons. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Agree with you on the absurdity of having troops in Syria, Jordan, etc. Trying to get back to sleep and you have Carol Alt on? Dynamic. Still a 10. Intelligent and a role model, too. And a role model, too. Hope your son is better. Putting the finishing touches on book number 10. Regards, Jeffrey. We will definitely have you on when uh, book number 10 comes out. Uh, Jennifer asks the question, what do mobsters call their controlled areas? Territories? Thanks, Frank. Well, Jennifer, I am not actually in the mob. I know people make that, uh, <laughs> that mistake. But yes, generally it's territories or turf. Uh, one of the two. Rita writes, Hi, Frank. I choose not to be on social media, so I'm not able to read the mean comments made by some of your critics. Honestly, Frank, I just can't understand why some people dislike you and your show. You seem like the nicest guy in the world. Like you said, I guess they need the eggs. As John Wayne once told Barbara Walters, don't let the bastards get you down. I, too, have never had COVID. During the worst part of the pandemic, I was in very close proximity to five individuals who had it, and I never got it to this day. I've always been a believer in eating healthy and taking supplements. Having a good immune system is key to staying healthy. Love your show. The variety of topics is amazing. I especially want to commend you on your interviews. You allow your guests time to answer without constantly interrupting and talking over each other. I'm mainly a podcast listener, but um, occasionally will stream the show if I'm having trouble sleeping. You know what? That's the case, Rita. Stream the show anyway, even if you're asleep, because it makes us look better. Set your app alarm to start streaming the show, so this way we get a little credit. Um, This person writes, Great interview with RFK Jr. He's so smart. I just love listening to him. Uh, David writes, I just heard that story you're talking about. This is uh, on Friday. Right now, but didn't think much of it. This has to do with the conspiracy-laden notes. But something occurred to me as you're reading it. If you found a strange note in a box of cereal that you purchased, would you still eat the cereal? Considering that these notes sound like they were left by someone with some type of mental or political issue, I would be worried about the cereal being tampered with. You know, it's a great question, David, as you, you always give us a lot to think about. It it would depend if the plastic bag inside the, the cereal was opened or not. If the plastic bag it was still sealed, I would probably eat it. If not, uh, then if it was open or punctured or ripped at all, then I would not. Uh, Jerry writes, hi, Frank. I heard your interesting discussion about the cable news networks last night. I'm certainly not an expert on this subject, but I'll share my experience. I became addicted to CNN before the last election and lasted well into 2020 because of the insurrection of the Capitol on January 6th. Yes, I am convinced that it was an attempt to take over the government. I even told family and friends that I need to find a 12-step program to get away from cable news. Eventually, life went back to normal during the Biden administration and CNN became boring. And I was able to read the newspaper and watch the TV news like a normal person. So, yes, I agree that the chaos that constantly swirls around Donald Trump feeds the rating. Now, with his recent successes, I find myself checking in with that channel more than I was. Truthfully, I'm more concerned about my mental health 
then whether cable news will survive. It's all, take it all one, one at a time, one at a time. All right. Ray writes, your discuss- Frank, your discussion about security cameras. This is interesting. I left toys on my front sidewalk for a next door app respondent with the Wise camera, W-Y-Z-E, aimed at the toy. The toys were gone, but no one appeared on the camera feed. I appeared on the camera coming home. How did this happen? A Wi-Fi jammer had to be used to block the camera signal. Perhaps you could also discuss this bypass technology. I have to tell you, Ray, that is the first I've heard of that. I have not heard of anything like that. I think that is interesting. All right, Barb writes, Frank, midwifery is pronounced midwifery. Sounds weird, but it's the correct pronunciation. Otherwise, great show as always. Remember, don't eat yellow snow. I had no idea about that. Apparently, she's correct. Apparently, it is midwifery and not midwifery. Let me squeeze in one more here. This is from, uh, well, I'll do two more. Dave in uh, Maryland listening on WCBM. Hi, Frank. For your dry skin, I recommend trying baby oil. It works great for me. Every morning after my shower, I apply it all over my arms, legs, and torso to reach my back since I'm single. I use a long-handled bamboo spoon, and I squirt some oil on the smooth, flat back of the spoon. All this just takes a minute. Afterwards, I do wash my hands to get the oil off, but everywhere else, my dry skin absorbs the oil. Hope that's helpful and not too much information. I really enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. Um... Lastly, Eric writes on the subject of a last meal. My last meal would be lots of sauerkraut, sour cream, sardines, Limburger cheese, stuff like that. I try to create some special memories for the people working the next execution. (laughs) Yours truly, Eric. There's a man with a uh, sense of humor. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I guess that we'll, we'll end it there. Hey, if we didn't get to your letter today, you can on the next edition of, um, you, you write to me at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com and hopefully we'll get to it next week as we embark on. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
It was on this day in 1988, they landed their first and only number one hit in this country with this very song. And I'm sure a lot of you remember where you were at that very moment. A couple of years later on that same date, they then appeared on the Arsenio Hall Show. You know, it's interesting. (laughs) I have always said that... There's if an offer is good enough to do something, you will change your plans to do it. For instance, what are you doing today? Let's say you have plans. Let's say you're working or you have to go to sleep or you have to um, go to the doctor. Or you have a dentist appointment, whatever you got. You got you got plans. But if your favorite movie star offers to take you to dinner at your favorite restaurant and they're buying, obviously you're going to go. You're going to break your plan. So if the offer is good enough, you change your plans. The thing is, you just never really know if the offer is good enough until the offer is made. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine called me yesterday, and this is a close friend, but my day is pretty regimented. And, you know, I, I, uh, I sleep, look after my son, work on the show, try to get a, a little bit of exercise in, and then I come here. That's the whole day. The whole day, whole day. Um, I'll have dinner with my wife and my son. That's about it. So anything else beyond that, I will arrange. Like, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, Thursday, I have to go to a wake. I have to go to something else on Wednesday. You know, there are things that you have to go to that cause you to alter your schedule. But I try to keep those disruptions minimal. So a friend of mine calls me yesterday in the afternoon and says, uh, hey, what time are you leaving for work today? Told the truth, 10 p.m. <laughs> and he says to me, What are your material plans before that? And, you know, I've, I'm trying to make it clear that I'm busy, but not too busy in case he had the opportunity for me to do something really phenomenal. Or, you know, he can just come over, right? He can come over and we can, he wants to have a cup of coffee for a half hour and chat and catch up. He'd be welcome to, but I don't necessarily want to do something like that. I said, well, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Basically everything I just described to you, but if you want to come over, you can go ahead and come over. And he says, well, no, 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 no. I'm wondering if you wanted to do X and basically involved me doing a chore that I didn't want to do. And I didn't really say no quick enough because I left myself the flexibility and he wanted me to go on a, a public access cable show that was not being taped or at a convenient place or a convenient time. And, you know, my son was staying up late. So had I put him to bed earlier, I would have done it, but I just, I couldn't swing it. But I felt bad saying no to this fella later because initially he pinned me down to accept. And I said, I would try to be there, but I just couldn't get there in time. But I do wish that when someone asks, what do you have planned? They would tell you why they're asking, because I would have made my agenda sound much more packed had he said, hey, I'm going to ask you to be on this television show that uh, that you may not want to be on. Although that violates the uh, cardinal rule of both Gore Vidal and Roger Stone, which is you should never miss an opportunity to have sex or be on television. But it is what it is. All right. 800-848-9222. Charlie is in Hell's Kitchen. What's on your mind, Charlie? 
Frank, I, I disagree with you I'm politely and respectfully, but what you said about Iran, because Iran has been the uh, ATM machine of terrorism. I mean, they funded Hamas, they fund Hezbollah, they've been funding the Houthis, and I just think they're a problem. And when you hear people say on TV, some of these talking heads, which you're talking about, they say Iran respects strength and they're a bully and stuff like that. I'm not part of the Washington elite or the Washington establishment, but uh, since obviously they took our hostages in 1979 when the Ayatollah took over, and more recently, it uh, it was October 7th what happened in Israel, I've just been seething with rage uh, with Sid Rosenberg. I'm furious at Iran, and uh, I think we should go to war. I think we should regime change, and and I think we should treat them the way Hamas treated uh, Israel on October 7th. Okay, well, so you mentioned mentioned Hezbollah, you mentioned the Houthis, you mentioned Hamas. uh, Hamas. Hamas. Um, Can you name for me the last terrorist group on American soil that carried out a terrorist attack on American territory in American soil. Uh, no, I cannot. I, oh. I'm, I was speaking to you about, about what occurred okay, in Israel. So the two that uh, come to mind for me are obviously ISIS, all these lone wolf attacks where these people pledge allegiance to ISIS. And what obviously comes to mind for me is the most one of the most traumatic events in my life, September 11th, which was brought about by al-Qaeda. Now, I noticed al-Qaeda yeah. and ISIS were omitted from the list of terrorist organizations that are supported by Iran. Who are what country supported those two entities? What country supported uh, both Al Qaeda and ISIS? Oh yeah, no, I know the answer to the question. I think the answer to your question is it was Saudi Arabia, right? So let's assume everything you say is correct, and I think for the most part it is. Why would you be insistent upon regime change in Iran for their sponsorship of the Houthis, who are pretty territorial, Hezbollah, which is pretty limited to the Middle East, and Hamas, which is largely limited to the Middle East, but you don't want to carry out regime change on uh, a country that has supported terrorist groups which have actually killed Americans in the United States of America? No, that's a good question. That, that, that's a fairly intelligent, thoughtful question. I'm, I'm glad you asked it. From what I understand, it since September 11th, that Saudi Arabia has made overtures, at least to be friendly, if, if not. Charlie, I, I don't mean to cut you off, and I know this was an unfair uh, question for me to pose to you right before the bell. We'll continue this conversation in the future. I think we know what the answer is. Keep asking questions.